Hey everybody, welcome back to the PC Perspective Podcast. We've reached episode 692. This is being recorded on August 31st, the last day of August, 2022. I'm Sebastian Peak. I'm Jeremy Hellstrom. I'm Josh Walrath. I'm Brett Vance Bromberg. It doesn't get any later in August. No, you can't. it doesn't. It can't get any later. Unless there's leap year, but I, that might be another month. It's a different month. I don't know why. It just arbitrarily, it's going to be August. You can support the site and podcast distribution by going to patreon.com slash pcper and become one of our patrons, because that's what Patreon's all about, and uh, they make extensive use of that word throughout the entire platform. We have to Patreon. thank we have to thank some people this week, don't we, Brett? You know, we do. We don't just welcome new members. We welcome existing members who decide to throw a little bit more in. A little bit of a boost, I might say. And we've got a couple of names that I want to call out. Ed McNeil. Thank you, man. And uh, i got another one here. Gavin Lee. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Thanks, both of you, for throwing a little bit more in. We really appreciate it. Couldn't do it without you. Thank you very much. And uh, we do have another where he gets a special, special thank you from Josh. Oh, his name's Mr. Number One. Isn't he great? Isn't he fantastic? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's a little bit of Zombocom in there. No, it's uh, it's uh, Johnny She. He was, uh, you know, from Asus. Mm-hmm. He, he would always show off. Isn't this fantastic? And then he'd say, thank you to the center. Thank you to the left. <laughs> and thank you to the right. Of oh, the thanks auditor. for the background. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Late man. Yes. Isn't it amazing? Thank you. Hmm. And to Mr. Number One. Mr. Number Thank One. You. Mr. Number One. Let's move to Laramie, Wyoming, and Josh as he guides us through his latest food experience. Mm. Yeah, so I was really hoping that there would be a, a really good, interesting burger special today. And I, I I called and I called and I called and they wouldn't answer the phone for take my order. So I I physically drove down there and walked in and said, I'd like to make an order for takeout. And I looked at the special and it was some easy peasy hot dog that was just basic. And it made me sad. So sad that I tried the burger that I haven't had in just ages. This one's called the Plainsman. And for some reason, when I tweeted it out, it came out Plainsboro. And this is nowhere near Plainsboro. So it looks a little messy, but it's pretty tasty. It's it's two smashed burgers with fry sauce mixed with chipotle ketchup grilled green chilies and then topped off with bacon and the bun is a little bit uh, beefier not beefier but you know is it uh, heavier than than usual so i think they've got a new uh, a new bun but overall it was it was quite the tasty combination it was a little messy the fries were good not great they've had better fries in the past but yeah you can kind of see some of the the green chilies in there and the bacon and the cheese and the fry sauce. I'd forgot to mention the cheese. I think that's just American. Uh, but yeah, no, it's uh, it's a tasty, tasty little burger. We're gonna cut to news, and of course, the big story of the week has to be 
AMD's little live stream event. What did they call this thing? Together we advance underscore PCs. I don't know what's with the underscore before PCs, but that's what they called it. And this was the official, official announcement of the Ryzen 7000 processors. We have four SKUs. We have pricing. We have availability. That's all that really matters because we already knew a lot of other things were, had been leaked prior to this. So if you look at this picture here, if you can make that out in this uh, screen cap, the 7950X will sit atop the new Ryzen platform. And that's $100 less than the 5950X when it arrived. Yes. Seven, yeah, that was $799. I had to think about that for a minute when I was making the, the table. Because if you just look at current prices, this is a big price increase over the 5950X, which is selling for like $550, maybe a little bit less right now. Mm -hmm. But th this is $100 less than previous launch. That's not a bad thing. And then the 7900X right below that, that'll be your new 12 core 24 thread. That's 549. The Ryzen 7 7700X is 399. And then you have the six core 12 thread 7600X at 299. So these, yeah, these numbers all are fine. Less expensive because what? The 7800, uh, the 5800X started at 499 or 449? I think 449. And then the seventy, the oh, I'm keep doing this. The fifty nine hundred X was was five ninety nine, so they've all taken a, a chunk down. I think that that's uh, multiple things going on. One, uh, they probably are a little bit less to put together than previous generation. Maybe. Uh, secondly, um, yeah, we're we're kind of going into a recession anyway. They can't. Uh, they can't really. They can't really. Yeah, 549. Yeah, anybody who's going to complain about price this time around, just look at the 5000 series launch and you had 799 at the top and 299 at the bottom. It would be nice if the Ryzen 5 7600X was a little less than 299, but it's a higher performing part. They were talking about gaming performance with this being uh, neck and neck with a 12900K during their event. So 299 is not bad for that performance level, though it's no longer a 65 watt part. They didn't announce any 65 watt parts, if you hadn't noticed. It's all 105 to 170 watts. 170, yeah. For only 65 yeah. more watts. Which is interesting. I think there's some interesting aspects to this that, you know, others have explored. Like, I know over at Angstronomics, they were talking about the, the density. And the potential thermal issues are just... I'm just curious to see how this is all going to perform. We talked about Bauer's investigation of the... Thermal efficiency, about thermal transfer. Yeah, but what is the top... IHS, the heat spreader? I can't talk. Sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's uh, a reason why they moved all the SMDs from the, uh, from the back to the front. It's uh, so they could get that um, pin density, actually. Yeah. Let's look briefly at their pad density now. Well, I should say you're right. Yes. No longer pin density, yes. obviously. Let's look quickly at some of the company-provided uh, performance that we can expect to see with Ryzen 7000. So they're saying around 13% IPC uplift. So that's independent of clock speed. Though, of course, they are getting more memory bandwidth because it's DDR5. The frequencies are up quite a bit. 5.7 gigahertz is the top. And then... 
29% total single thread performance gain is how they're putting it when you factor in things like the platform improvements and of course the higher clock speeds and we're this is a bigger power envelope because it's 170 watts now up to 230 watts they had a slide that said 62% lower power same performance but then it says versus the Ryzen 5950X and then under that is or 49% more performance at the same power average versus AMD Ryzen 5000 series. So it's like they just, they picked the better number. I would have liked to see just both of these versus the 5000 series, but anyway. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of the thing that ARM has done in the past. You know, they, the way they talk about ISO and, you know, performance and efficiency and, and all of that. But yeah, I mean, they compare to four gigahertz, you know, 7950 to a four gigahertz lock 5950. And that's where yeah you got a lot of those, those, those little performance uh, figures. It's kind of interesting, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, TSMC uh, five nanometer looks to be pretty solid. And uh, you know, the, there's seven nanometer of obviously it worked out well for everybody pretty much involved. And uh you know, their 10 nanometer is very close to, to TSMC's Intel's 10 nanometer or whatever the hell they call it now. Um, Intel 7. Intel 7, yeah, is, is very close to 7 nanometer. And and uh, 5 is, is more advanced. And not only that, but um, caches have gotten much more dense with the 5 nanometer design rules. And so that's why, you know, we're, we're seeing those larger uh, L2 caches, especially go from 512K to one meg and even though you you add another tick of latency to get double the amount i mean you're still really improving performance pretty dramatically and and the l3 caches of course scale as well uh that they get pretty big up to what 80 megs is that what they said yeah that's the, the top, top. That's, that's the top yep. yeah that's that's just it's just crazy my first hard drive was 20 meg hard drive was it a connor hard drive it may have been. Oh gosh, I remember those. Got it from. I got it in my CompuAd computer. CompuAd nice. proudly made in Texas. Uh, for some more of a technical dive into the news, Angstronomics, uh, which does very interesting work, if you haven't heard of them, they have a look at the microarchitecture aspect of this and kind of emphasizing the fact that this is more of an incremental update over Zen three than it than we saw from Zen two to Zen three. Would this, in Intel parlance of the past, would this be a talk or a tick? This is the <laughs> die shrink. It's a waltz now. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, it would, it would be both from Intel. It's still pretty new, and it's on a new process note, so. The section I was interested in here was the cooling challenge section, just because it harkens back to Der Bauer's look at the heat spreader, and it could be rather toasty because on top of that and at a density i mean obviously they've they've upped the power which is where you're getting that two watts per millimeter squared this is 170 to 230 watt thermal load at five nanometers is anybody worried about this or no i mean i just i just worry that well yeah it's, it's, it's a concern um but i've you know i've i've asked questions before it's like if you have, you know, a larger spread out of, you know, a transistor, I'm trying to think what exactly it, it said. Um, 
that it doesn't care as much about spreading out as compared to going straight kind of up. So even though you've got a smaller heat spreader, I mean, you're, you're still going to have some, you know, thermal drop off because more surface areas means more heat. But when you're conducting like this, it's not as big of a deal, but you know, we're going to see. And uh, also, uh, think about the 3DV cache, how that's going to further exacerbate the oh man the issue, yeah. um, because that's that's another layer of silicon on top, and it's going to be producing its own heat. And uh, yeah, we're not going to see a 5.7 gigahertz version of of that. No, it'll be clocked way down. But you're still going to see you know massive improvements in certain uh, workloads uh, with that that V cache, and you know. Uh, it's kind of cool to uh, to see AMD um, really hitting on all cylinders. I mean, they're they're executing their roadmap incredibly well over the past five years, six years now. What is twenty sixteen when when Zen first came out? Um, it's kind of nuts to think how many you know we're already on Zen four. We've had some you know refreshes in there, and they just you know kept moving from. 1000 2000 series to three four and what three five and and now the 7000 and uh they've just been hammering on the cadence so these are all very very positive things for for amd and they showed off uh well we'll talk about that later but go ahead i had pulled up this tech gauge thing there's a picture Uh, the one thing that adds to you know the heat is, of course, the fact that these are the first standard AMD Ryzen processors with graphics, though it is only just two CUs. It's not high-powered graphics by any means, but that just adds to your power and thermal budget, I guess. Though if you're an enthusiast, you're not using the iGPU anyway, so that won't be a big issue. I wonder if that completely shuts down if you disable it in the BIOS. I imagine it would. be gated off. That'd be nice. So, well, I don't anyway, know if it's gated off. Testing. It'll be low power. Mm-hmm. Um, what's nice, I mean, it is. It's not a very beefy. It's what two CUs, yeah, at most of uh, what RDNA one, RDNA two. I can't remember. I thought it was RDNA, RDNA two. No, it's okay. not Vega. It's not Vega. No, no Vega. Um, Do you think so? Yeah, uh, I mean, you'll get very. Go ahead. You'll get very basic uh, performance overall. Um, not really enough to, to game with, but yeah, you, you don't need a, a video card anymore across the board. You'll actually use those outputs in your $500 motherboard if you want. Okay, to your point about the RDNA 3 tease from AMD, here it is at uh, Tom's Hardware. You can watch the stream. You can go back and watch AMD's event. At the, at the end, Lisa Sue talks about you know, the one more thing is this gameplay is running on RDNA 3, which, Josh, uh, I know in recent weeks there's been some greater insight into how this chiplet architecture works, and it doesn't sound as crazy as it did at first. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it's it's a chiplet architecture, and so you can have, I think, multiple cores that have, you know, the all the big amount of stuff, and then surrounding those are, are the... Uh, the cache and uh, memory controller chips. And so they'll be on, you know, a large interposer 
and you'll have this kind of chiplet architecture that you can add and subtract from uh, using all the same chips. You know, some will have, you know, like four of the memory chips. Each one's 32 bit wide um, with an X amount of cache to it. And then, you know, you, you have the big GPU cores. Um, and I think that I've seen that you can you can have multiple on those as well. But I'd have to look back at some of those diagrams. But yeah, they can they can kind of tailor their SKUs a little bit more uh, by using all these same chips. And you don't have this one giant monolithic chip um, that, you know, if something goes wrong in one part, you got to fuse it off and it's a lower SKU. And so your yields are going to be better. Your bins are going to be better. And it's just a interesting way of doing things. And they've, you know, really improved, uh, I think, Infinity Fabric quite a bit over the last several generations of it. I know the Infinity Fabric working on the Ryzen 7000 series is about double the speed of, of what we had previously. So all these things are all just coming together. And RDNA 3 is it's running in the labs. Uh, they expect it out this year. So we would expect around holiday time, I think. Um, obviously, they're probably, you know, actually producing the chips right now, and uh, they'll be sending them out to board makers probably in late September, early October to be able to hit that uh, time frame. So, yeah, they're just working on it and getting drivers up, and it's good news for people who want a new graphics card. Indeed. Hey, let's stay on the subject of AMD. A smart Nick. Network offload. Yay! Yeah, it's a fun. Like they they took uh, uh, what is the, the Zilinux, the the company that they bought that done a lot of the uh, FPGAs. And so with you know, the smart Nix, a lot of companies, you know, hey, if we do fixed function ASICs stuff, it's really really fast unless it's asked to do something that isn't specifically programmed for, and then it sort of goes slow. Or it can go with an CPU, which uh, you know can handle just about any task you throw at it, but nowhere near as fast uh, as an ASIC can. So what they decided to do... Sorry? Am I going to interrupt real quick? It's not so much uh, Z-Links, but what, Pensado? Yes. Pensado? Pensado. That was the the networking group that AMD Mm -hmm. bought, and I think that they're the primary pusher of these these smart NICs. Okay. But they, they went ahead. crazy. So they included that, but they also bought in some ARM CPUs and a couple of FPGAs so that you can actually customize the smart NIC depending on what you want it to do. So it's sort of like all three of them smashed into one, but with the idea that they've got the architecture to be able to have it communicate effectively between all the different moving parts. Um, so they're going to have 16 A78 cores and four R52 cores. An impressive 32 gigs of DIMM, uh, which you can decide whether you want low power or just normal DDR5, regardless. Nice 200 gigabits interface, which is not amazing, but for a lot of use scenarios, it's going to be just fine. And it's PCIe 5.0. So, uh, you know, it's 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 interesting. It's not going to show up uh, as a replacement for your killer Nick anytime soon. But uh, for the enterprise, AMD sort of being able to take this piece of the market away from the companies that they haven't been able to for a long time could be very nice for them. Gosh, hey. storage and networking. That's, that's what PCIe that's, 5.0 is going to be for. Yeah. Yeah. You run the virtualization. Kind of, this is going to be fun. 
It's so funny to see Killer Nick all grown up now. <laughs> I mean, the idea was was pretty interesting, you know, back in the day when they first introduced it, and you could actually, you know, run different programs and applications on on the Killer Nick, and you know, it did have some interesting options at the time. But you know, it was, it was what back in early two thousands when Killer yeah. Nick came out. And so you could only do so much, and it was only so fast. And but yeah, it uh, it's it's kind of neat to to see that idea finally scaled up, and really helpful in these networked and and virtualized uh, applications where you know it makes sense. Let's shift things over to NVIDIA. We've talked about AMD long enough. I mean, come on. Let's. But NVIDIA, unfortunately, it's all on the rumor side of things right now because we don't have that official announcement like we did from AMD this last week. So, once again, Copite 7 Kimmy is out there on Twitter leaking, possibly, the specs of, this time, an RTX 4070. So, let's look at the... I'm sure there's a chart down here. A table, I should say. Here we go. The 4070 number one, contestant number one, it's an ADA TSMC N4, 80-104-400 with 60 SMs, which is 7,680 CUDA cores, unknown clocks, 12 gigabytes of GDDR6 memory on a 192-bit bus, Mm. 21 gigabit per second uh, memory speed for a bandwidth uh, of 504 gigabytes per second and total board power of about 285 watts. Now, there's another possibility, which is 8104-275, which only has 56 SMs, so slightly lower CUDA core count, only 10 gigabytes of GDDR6 on a 160-bit bus for 420 gigabytes per second at 250 watts. Apparently those are out there being tested. Hmm. That's a weird bus size. It is odd. I, I, I like the 192 better. I mean, typically they do 256, yes. 192, 128. So let's just let's pick just, number one. It's probably the tie. I'm sorry, did I say tie? I meant TI. <laughs> the 4070 TI? Do, wait, do they do TIs for the 70s? Because last time they did a Super. Mm. Or did, now they'll did, do both. There'll be a Super and a TI. There is no... Okay. 3070 Ti. No, it was, no, it was that was way back at the 2070. No. But it was 2070. Yeah, 3060 Ti. Ti. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Wait, there was no 2060 Ti, but there was a 3060 Ti. Yes. The 2060 Super. It was. Yeah, they had. Yeah. But the 2060 Super was just. It was a 2070, basically. Pretty much. And then the 2070 mm-hmm. Super wasn't was, a lot of room. No. It. That's. No. If you compare, and then people got upset and wanted the familiar TI back, and yeah, there was a little bit of a confusion there. I feel like TI has more cachet. I guess I'd rather have a TI than card than a super card. Did Did you mean cache? Right, cache, yeah. I think the nope. tie has more cache. We almost Moving got the yeah more yeah. Go we ahead. almost got through rumors and graphics news without talking about Intel Arc. <gasps> this is no rumor. Yes, and I love the uh, ASRock uh, Challenger ITX uh, variant here, available at Newegg. At least I think it's still available at Newegg. Yeah, for like one forty. No, which is a respectable price. What a deal! Yeah, I bought one. By the way, it'll be here tomorrow. Oh, um, nice. 
Intel. Penguin friendly. Veronix. They've been spending some quality time with Arc A380. Yep. Now, you have to have the Linux 6.0 core. So Yes. Uh, and there's a Force Probe module and a certain version of Mesa, but they threw that in there and it booted. No problems. Hmm. Nothing extra needed, well, to run it just as a, a basic card. Now, because their idea was they wanted to see this as a compute card. Right. So, of course, it had a graphics compiler, compute runtime, and a couple of other things to be able to do it. But just for, you know, your, your basic uh, machine, you're not going to have to do that. And uh, so, yeah, they tested it out uh, on a bunch of productivity stuff and found that, well, depending on what they're running, it falls somewhere between, and this is pretty hard to guess, a 1050 Ti and a Radeon RX 6400. No. Yeah, Ooh. shocking, isn't it? <laughs> the gaming, not so great. Uh, they've obviously got a bit of work to do with that. But if you're doing it for, uh, you know, productivity stuff, it's actually, for 140 bucks, not too bad a deal. Especially if you're doing multi-headed stuff. Uh, as Josh pointed out uh, during the last podcast, this is one of the cheapest ways to run a multi-headed uh, system. Yeah, you get so, four display outputs for 139 That's no laughing matter when a lot of those budget cards only have two. So long story short, you get about $140 worth out of it. But it's nice to see that it, it's straight out supported by Linux with very little to do. AMD, you know, that's quite a fight. Uh, NVIDIA can be a little bit less. Intel went and straight up open sourced the code to uh, the, the driver to run this thing. So it's as long as you've got the newest uh, core, away you go. And that's kind of impressive, Intel. Still not blown Speaking away with the performance, but... That's impressive. impressive Intel. <laughs> yeah, well, Intel is claiming that they're going to be competitive or better with NVIDIA on ray tracing hardware. Is Intel set to beat NVIDIA at its own game? Writes Jacob Ridley at PC. Oh, yeah, like any minute now. Well, I mean, they have some interesting, uh, very similar looking technology with their, what is it, XESS? Excess? Who's this Peterson guy? Ray what does he know? Unit. I know. <laughs> Just because <laughs> they brought over Tom Peterson from NVIDIA, now they think they're going to use NVIDIA's technology. I, I, think if you, I think if you read who were they talking to here, you might see a familiar name up top. Uh, beginning of this article. Something about some redhead uh, oh, here we are. marketing guy. In, uh, no, sex, beginning of second paragraph. In the run-up to the release of Intel's ARC A770 and A750 graphics card, I sat down with Ryan Shrout and Tom Peterson from the Intel mm -hmm. graphics team. Yeah. Some familiar names in there. Yeah. We, we all know who the, the marketing guy is mm. at Intel yeah. graphics. And then he doesn't have any time to sit down with us. That's fine. Mm. I mean, I haven't invited him, but, but he'd probably be. Well, I wouldn't blame him for not coming he'd either. He'd probably come on. Uh, what was? I lost my train of thought. What were we, anybody have any Sorry thoughts about, about this? No, it's fine. Um, uh, well, know. I mean, they're comparing it to three thousand, and of course, you know, four thousand, yep. or maybe they'll call it even five thousand. Who knows? Uh, eventually, when it gets put out, there uh, is going to be new, obviously, and uh, we would expect another jump in ray tracing performance as they've kind of figured things out and just simply thrown more transistors at the problem. But yeah, it's going to be interesting to uh, see how those two compare and contrast. But the main problem is still going to be 
software mm-hmm. drivers yeah mm-hmm. holding it all together all right let's shift over to that fruity tech company that we all love to hate apple what what i thought they were giving people the right to repair and sending out kits to fix your own macbook at home what's with they the, are uh, okay <laughs> so but the, the tools problem? they give you are about that effective so, like, for instance, uh, with a MacBook Pro, you, you say you want to replace the battery, right? So that doesn't seem ridiculous to ask, is it? Except they designed the MacBook Pro so the battery is actually physically an integral part of the top casing of the laptop. So if you want to replace the battery, you also have to pay for the brand new top of your MacBook Pro, which runs you between five to 600 bucks. In fairness, they'll give you 88 bucks if you send the old one back. Wow, but $88. Yeah, and it's an integral part of the top casing. So you're literally disassembling the entire laptop, right? They, they list it. The top case, the bottom case, battery management unit, flex cable, lid angle sensor, trackpad, flex cable, the antenna module, the logic board, the display hinge, the display the audio board, the fans, the MagSafe 3 board, and the USB-C boards to get at the battery, which you now have a right to pay $600 to repair. Hmm. Yeah, $600 Mm. is getting into that territory where I think most people would just get a new... Well, and literally disassembling your entire bloody laptop, including the display, to be able to replace the battery. Hmm. You know, not that it's an excuse. Apparently the manual was really nice. moving this way. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It does sound like an excuse. being shoehorned this way. <laughs> Think about this. It is possible mm. to design a laptop so that the battery is an external device that plugs into the bottom or goes into the side. He's a witch. Burn him. Burn him. He's and a witch. Apple used to make laptops like this. Apple I used have, to make a laptop have some where all you needed to get the battery off was a coin, and you just turned and popped it off and the battery even had its own life indicator on it. We could push a button and see how many of the four green lights would light up. Like, oh, this one's not charged yet. And they sold aftermarket chargers at places like Mac sales. You could plug in your battery and have a second battery charge and actually take two batteries with you. Uh, Are you going to deny our, our hugely social quest for thinness? And no. they, they there is no social up. quest for thinness. There is a I think design is. first focus at Apple. And even though Johnny Ive isn't there anymore, Johnny there still is, is not dead to them. No, he's not. He still works with them. Just, you know, no, Johnny, I've no. never missed you. Love Johnny. Design, Johnny no longer called. works for them. He doesn't work for they them, stopped. but they still, they still, they stopped contract. No, they, with. they was recently. They just cut ties. Okay. Well, that doesn't mean his disciples aren't still there in the industrial design division, sniffing their own farts and coming up with (sighs) the most beautiful aluminum construction you can imagine using proprietary techniques. You wound me now. Okay. Is this chamfered enough? You know how we've talked in the past about how SSD makers sometimes switch out components after the reviews go up? And mm. makes some people unhappy. Well, if I'm reading this right, it seems like they're being upfront about it. The NetTac or NETAC NV7000 offers a lot of internal variety, apparently. What does that mm-hmm. mean, Jeremy? 
So, as you might be able to tell from the model number, the NV7000 says that it'll give you 7,000 megabytes of sequential read, and that's all they guarantee. They don't guarantee you what controller is going to be in there or what flash is going to be in there. There you just go with whatever's cheap enough that works together to give the rated speeds that they want. So, for instance, Tweaktown had an IG5236 uh, Gen 4x4 controller and 128L SK Hynix Flash. Both relatively rare and neither seen before together. But it meet or beat uh, the, the read and sequential read and write speeds that were uh, published. So it's not going to win you any races. But the one terabyte drive that they bought was just under $90. So under 10 cents a gig, that's what they're going for. They're saying straight up, it's got a variable bill of materials. We don't guarantee what controllers in that. If you really, really like your Samsung flash, maybe not the way to go, but we can guarantee you that it's going to be a decent PCIe 4.0 drive. And that makes a lot of sense to me. It's, it's, it's an odd theory, but it seems to work in practice. Although this is a sample size of one. So yeah. it could well be that. Well, some we, of them are we quite don't good. know some yeah not so good i'm worried about I, things like uh you know longevity what kind of nand is yeah. being swapped in and then maybe the sequentials will be there but what about random performance what about the low q depth picky 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 okay. and actually the random wasn't I'm, too bad well on this one I'm that's thinking, one controller in well, yeah. <laughs> well i mean the both behavior of those controllers are well known the IGZO yeah. and the and the Fizon, so they are. Yeah, and, and you might get Micron, you might get Hynix, uh, you probably won't get Samsung B die. Uh, that tends to be a little bit expensive, but <laughs> it's not a bad deal if it okay. lives up to what it says it should. Uh, hitting a price point in it's the new normal. We just throw it all out the window. And they're not lying about it, which is a nice That's, refreshing. I do, I do appreciate that, which means yeah. they won't last uh, at all. We'll never hear them again. <laughs> hey, come on! These are the inventors Forget of the USB drive. Oh, okay. Forget about the name. Forget about the name. It's all about the price performance ratio. Right, because marketing cares how it doesn't, doesn't have anything to do with no. anything, like advertising and marketing. No, not anymore. Influencers. No, no. Really? Okay. Oh, wait. Mm. Oh, sorry, right. Apple. Okay. Who cares Most what the performance world. is after it's, after it's 50% full? It'll be fine. Let's move on to gaming quick hits with a look at Embracer Group. The Embracer Group is buying everything. So oh, I see. They buy all you know, the okay. things. Okay. I I thought Microsoft was buying everything. I was wrong. The Embracer Group is is starting to buy things. And this thought, is like the. I thought Tencent bought everything. No? Ah, well, apparently there's, oh, there's enough gaming studios, enough gaming studios to go around for everyone who wants to is buy. Is Embracer Group everything. leveraged by Tencent for these uh, acquisitions? I don't it's know, they're, but they're spending billions but and billions. They what do they own? Aspire, they, Gearbox, Tripwire yeah. Interactive, Tuxedo Black, Sinning Tricks, Limited Run Games, Tatsujin, Bitwave Studios, Geotech, Perfect World Entertainment, Lost Boys Interactive, Beamdog. They already own 3D Realms and Gearbox. They already own Aspire. They already own THQ Nordic. They already own Saber Interactive. So, yeah, why wouldn't you bring Square Enix into? Oh this? yeah, they're the ones who bought the rights to all. Of the oh yes, and all of Middle Earth universe. They they own Middle Earth. Yes. Yeah. Huh. So, yeah. Where did they get their money another from? Company. Hmm. Another company buying everything. Hmm. System Shock. It's still coming. It showed up at Gamescom. 
Look at a 20 minute demo. Yep. Says the article. I'm not actually going to play the 20 minute demo. It looks more Probably fun than it. the original one that they put out last year. Because they put out like an alpha demo for the backers of the System Shock remake. This isn't the System Shock 2 remake and it isn't the brand new System Shock 3. Okay. Because we went for forever without System Shock and now we have a million of them that are going to be released anytime now. Sort of, maybe, we hope. It looks good. It looks like a lot of fun. Uh, this one is going to be great because they've got the original gal that did Shodan's voice doing it again. So that's just going to drive you up the wall. Uh, <laughs> Terry Brosius. That's it. The very notion disgusts me. Look upon that's her works, foul creatures. Uh, yeah. <laughs> They've really captured the original sort of feel of it, which is kind of nice. Because, I mean, 90% of the game was the environments and just, you know, creeping yourself out, especially when the spaceship sort of turns upside down. They had the one of the, the first and best implementations of the enhancement ladder where you had to sort of choose a class yes. and and you were able to sort of buy your way into enhancing your character, giving yourself some skills and climbing up the effectiveness ladder depending on kind of what you decided to be from the beginning. And, and then an hours in the game nice realizing moment. you're going to have to start over again because you fucked up your skill tree and that the uh, hacking yes. and turret wasn't exactly as useful as you were hoping. Exactly. Yeah, and and you got to to lever or ladder up um, based upon what you leveraged in the game, what you practiced. If like you're able to a- apply yes. some of those skills, you actually got better, you know, as it as time went on. Like hacking, you know, for instance, as you're just talking about. And we can see. And ammo and was at a was at a very severe shortage. There so you there go. There was not a lot well, of shootage sh- shooting. And it wasn't just ammo. It was. Is that a robot sneaking up on me or a biological? Because I need to quickly reload to write bullets, or else right. I'm just going to go through them. And another important thing is that all your weapons degraded, so you had to constantly repair oh, them and pick up new pieces. That was pieces the worst. Back You'd think again. that in the yeah. 25th yeah. century that they would actually create <laughs> weapons that could shoot more than 50 rounds without breaking. No. They're 3D printed no. with plastic, Josh. So, Apparently. So Iron they Man did a lot of really plastic cool guns. things. That was uh, the one thing about System Shock and System Shock 2 is they had really, truly kind of immersive audio for the time, mm. uh, especially yeah, number yeah. two, when you went into yes. the uh, the monkey den and you'd hear the, oh, the monkeys thanks. quietly kind of chirping in the background. I mean, it was super, super creepy, but really well done. And it wasn't just the sounds they made. It was the sounds you made. <laughs> if you made sounds, they would find you and they would come after you. They would be wandering randomly, but if you did something that actually made a noise, they knew where mm-hmm. you were and they could they could seek you out. So there were really, really cool uh, pieces of this game that a lot of other games have, have obviously taken on and, yeah. and pulled into their own environments. But the first time that a lot of this stuff came together, and it's a, it's a fairly old game. So even System Shock 2 is, is fairly old. So I'm looking forward to this, whatever it is. Yeah, it was 1999. Out. Yeah. 98. Can't remember. One of those years. But the it was Omen horrible. Engine, it was absolutely horrible. I think. So, well, I'm not sure, but it sounds right. I'd yeah, it was the same that. one that uh, powered Thief. Yeah. Yes. The dark that, project. That, correct. It was. Yeah. Yep. Another Thief game with Thief 2. Eyes in it. 
Yeah. Make a little bit of noise. Where did that guard go anyways? Thunk. <laughs> what was a uh, taffer? Taffer. Taffer. You taffer. I can't remember. Let's take a quick look at a Switch-esque portable from Logitech and everyone's favorite, Tencent. They've teamed up to make a streaming-focused portable. In other words, it's a Android gaming tablet, which doesn't sound very exciting on, on the face of it, but... And I worry a little bit when they say streaming-focused, that sounds like it's underpowered. But if this is good for emulation, this could be another alternative to buying and trying to, you know, homebrew on a Switch. It could be a lot easier to get those illicit ROMs on there and enjoy yourself. And maybe maybe it'll even play Switch games, too. Who knows? Is it powerful enough? Well, maybe not out of the box, but I bet you someone makes it do it. Let's see. Because, <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of stuff out there. They mentioned in this article the... How is this pronounced? A-Y-N. Ain? Ein? The Odin? They make the Odin. Retroid Pocket 2 Plus. Well, that's that's a less powerful device. And, of course, there's this thing called the St- Steam Deck, I think. Heard of it. Heard of it. A lot chunkier than this, but this is an Android base, so it's a lot more like the Switch. So It'll probably be uh, more populous, too. Like you'll be able to get it. Yeah, less if, expensive. If they get the pricing right, they could break open no. this market. Really? I mean, how many times have people said that about Android gaming tablets over the years? Yeah, you have a point there, but this has kind of that affordance of like a, a s- s- Switch-like, but not maybe as costly. What was the last great handheld? The PSP or I guess the Switch is now. It, are you asking the me? Switch. Because the last great handheld was the PlayStation Vita, my friend. Ah. Mm. Oh, oh, please insert PlayStation Vita picture here. <laughs> I'm an owner of multiple PlayStation Vitas and you will never get them away from me. Unless you pay me a decent amount of money, then I will sell them to you. Let's move on to Security Corner. As we're looking at a poster for Jaws 2 for some reason. Jeremy, please explain. Mm, what, you don't like Jaws 2? You don't like just when you thought it was safe to get back into the water? I have to admit, I've never seen Jaws 2. I've only seen the original. Uh, it's, it's maybe the best of the entire series. Really? Or are you being sarcastic? Yeah. No, it's 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 not as good as the first okay. one, but it's 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 How can it be the selfish. best of the series if it's not as good as the first you know one? What? Oh, it's gonna be so much better than Jaws three D and Jaws Four. Oh. Okay. Yeah. okay yeah. Oh Michael Caine in his red uh, bathing suit. Yeah. yeah. That's worth yeah. the price of admission alone. It it is. Yeah, go for Jaws Four then. Getting off the uh, topic of uh, old movies, as good as they are, uh, there's a new billion-dollar industry uh, that Enterprise loves called Endpoint Detection and Response. See, they, the, Symantec is selling it. Uh, McAfee is selling it. Uh, you know, just about everyone is selling these. And the idea is that instead of passively scanning and waiting for you to launch a program and then seeing if it's you know reasonable or not, or just passively scanning an operating system over time, it's supposed to notice in real time odd behavior on side of a machine or a network. So my example is sort of if someone launches an Excel macro and it launches on their computer, well, that's probably not too bad, but if they launch it and it's now suddenly spawning on 15 different machines that it can actually get access to, then the idea is that it's going to lock it down. Small problem. Uh, Berlin-based SR Labs uh, did some testing 
on three of the major different vendors, uh, Symantec, Sentinel-1, and Microsoft, and found that all three could be completely and totally evaded with some dead simple techniques. Like, say, instead of programming software hooks in, just make direct kernel system calls. Not really hard to implement. Or uh, the second one is, hey, DLLs, they're totally secure and don't connect to a whole bunch of things, but are supposed to. So what if we just sort of use DLLs to make indirect system calls and do it that way? And in every case, the, the EDR software had not a freaking clue what was going on. Away it goes, happily and completely infecting everything. I mean, it'll still spot, say, a ransomware attack where all of a sudden, you know, a giant chunk of your network is suddenly running a 100 CPU because it's desperately trying to encrypt itself. Of course, at that point, it's a little too late anyways. So, yeah, it's it's kind of nasty because a lot of people have said, I'm abandoning the traditional antivirus software because the sales drone talked me into this, which is amazing and does everything in real time and has pretty charts and sends alerts automatically. And apparently, yeah, it can be very, very easily avoided. So it's it's definitely part of the security onion. It's not the entire and complete solution. Unfortunately, a lot of companies have decided it was and have gone 100% this way. Yeah, not not lovely. We don't have any reviews for you this week because I didn't uh, finish posting the one that I was uh, putting in the system earlier, but we'll have that for you next week. But we do have picks of the week where we tell you our unsolicited opinions about what you should be spending your money on, beginning with Josh. Josh, what should I Me. buy? Every once in a while, I venture out and listen to something new and interesting. And uh, These guys aren't really all that new anymore, but they're still kind of new to me. They're called Odessa. It's a, it's a duo of, of musicians. They have really interesting shows, and we'll ask goodbye as their latest... Uh, their latest album that came out in this past July, and it's it's fantastic. So yeah, if if you want a new and interesting thing to listen to, it's a good one. What genre is this? How would you describe this? It's kind of electronica, but okay. some trance and pop. But yeah, it's it's it's, it's an interesting mixture. They're they're they, they have they have good music. House, deep house. Does it have any I don't trap know elements? Oh, okay. I I couldn't tell you. What's the predominant rolling instrument being used for percussion? <laughs> uh, Jeremy, what's your pick this week? How deep is the drop? Uh, I'm not a huge fan of Duck Duck Go, but then again, I don't hate them either. Um, but I did see an interesting thing that they're offering, uh, or at least they've started to recently which is essentially uh, a free email uh, service where you don't even have to sign up to have a proper private duck uh, address. It's just you let them know what your email address is. And anytime you visit a site that is going to dump email trackers on you because you have the, the audacity of putting in an email address, it grabs it, turns that email into plain text and forwards it off to you. So the idea is that you can just sort of use this as like a toss away email address to feed the, the buddy subscription services that aren't going to charge you. They just want to sell all of your information. And uh, yeah, it's not the worst idea ever. We've tried numerous solutions of this where everything's 
it's not behind a paywall and that you need to pay money. It's just that they want an email address and they want to spam you and then sell it off and spam other people and, you know, maybe fire up a tracker so they can keep an idea of what you're doing. So, yeah, even if you don't use DuckDuckGo, you can actually use this service just uh, as a toss off to uh, get uh, the information you're actually trying to get from a service without having the email tracker info. Not a horrible idea. Brett, what is your pick this week? Well, unlike um, maybe previous weeks or the rest of you, I'm not offering a opportunity to buy anything. I just called attention to something that I thought was uh, a little sad but somewhat interesting, and that's uh, the what's called the Enterprise Flight. And uh, it's a homage to Nichelle Nichols and the Roddenberries and uh, James Doohan are having a small part of themselves shot into space. Uh, and this is essentially the mor- memorial site, which is dedicated to uh, Nichelle Nichols, um, kind of like remembrance and tribute messages and things of that nature. And and I actually didn't realize a couple of things until I, I sort of read this whole thing that, that um, so many years ago, uh, NASA had asked, uh, asked her to become uh, sort of a spokesperson and they, they uh, attribute her with um, really encouraging a lot of women and minorities to get involved with aeronautics and spaceflight and, and, uh, and NASA themselves. It was just kind of an inspiring thing. So I thought this was a kind of a fitting send off and, uh, some, and I'm a big fan of the of the original series as well. I remember watching it when I was uh, much younger, obviously, and it was inspirational back then. And it's uh, a little sad that uh, some you know our people that we looked up to when we were younger eventually pass on. And it's kind of cool that they're actually getting sent off into space for real. Anyway, it's a it's a nice it's a nice thing, and um, I enjoyed the show very much. So it's sort of sad that every everybody goes this way, but you don't often get to end up in space. <laughs> afterwards <laughs> what's your favorite episode of tos uh original i mean i gotta is it, is it cliche to say to say I, I, i'm more forever. of a 1.2 really guy one. anything before <laughs> tls 1.2 is is pretty bad no tos yeah. oh you said tls i thought i said tos but i probably slurred no. that was the the original series yeah tos is the original series yeah yes. i it's so many classics to choose from. Of course, uh, Arena, where he fights the Gorn. I'm not going to kill him. Tribbles. You hear me? The trouble with the trouble with Tribbles. It was always that. That was a really good one. Then I'm he builds not, that gun with the yeah, salt know. Eater, He's trying you know? to remember like <laughs> puts it all together. How to the chemistry how, of the making ratio? a projectile, right? And he finds, of yeah, course, yeah, these like yeah. gems and like uses those yeah. as the weapon. Exactly. Putting it all together like a shotgun mm-hmm. shell. Dun, dun, and the Gorn, dun, the guy's all dun, stiff, dun, stiff in the costume. There's one in season three that's really good. No, season three gets a lot of crap, but he well, has to go. Tholian web. That that's very good. That's in yep. the yeah. first season. What's that called? It? Like the fly trap or the or the? Oh no no no! No, you're right. Trap. The the Tholian web is in season three, isn't it? Because they all they have those ridiculous, shiny, glittery spacesuits they put on, and they're investigating this yes. ship that's like going in and out of their space. Yes, and it disappears while Kirk is still on board. Kirk is aboard. Yeah. And then he starts aboard, appearing yep. to different people like he appears to Uhura. The ghost. And she thinks she's going insane. It's, it's kind of like this crazy ghost. Yep. He's He's got that square helmet on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to like, he's letting them out. He's running out of oxygen, but he's trapped in between yes. dimensions. Yes. 
Fantastic. But then again, that was good show. One of the best lines from any of those was ugly bags of mostly water. <laughs> you wonder where Bender got most of his dialogue from. Although, actually, the Futurama episode with the original cast is great, too. Yes. You should watch that one. Mm. Uh, oh, uh, if anybody cares, I have a pick this week. I left while Brett was talking mm. to go grab it off of a shelf. It's like, what have I not shown? I'll put myself on camera here. You know, Asus, they make mainboards. And... They are the number one two? number one mainboard brand. I'm not even sure what this is, Josh. I'm going to read the product number. This is the Does P- it even open? P2L97266. P2L97. It shows slot one uh, processors, though, but it also shows socket seven. Yeah, Pentium 2. Oh, yeah, it is, because there's the retention... Hardware. I've got to put some better lighting on this, but you can see the uh, slot one retention thing. This is brand new in the box. I haven't uh, done anything with this yet. But yes. Pentium Just 2. waiting on the memory to arrive? Yeah. <laughs> Just waiting on some uh, PC 66 or 100 <laughs> SD RAM. I'm assuming this is SD RAM. Mm hmm. I think I. I I think I bought this because I have the sockets. Yes. I have the socket seven like companion to this. It is a sickness. <laughs> I have a socket seven companion to this. It's a similar uh, model. I can't wait to see if those caps are still good. Oh, they're oh. beautiful. <laughs> Come on. Uh, why did you just say that? Because now it looks like this one might be just starting to bulge. Damn it, Josh. Sorry. There's a couple that look a little mm. round at the top. Ah, you can replace them. I've just ruined his night. I'm sorry. Yep. I'm so bad well at soldering. But, but the caps were huge back then. They're, they're replaceable. They are. It's all surface mount stuff, too, basically. Like, But you have to... Yeah. I need a better technique. I need to have you help me, Brett. I'll drive to your house. And, like, can you have, right. like, a desoldering can tool? Can I... Because I don't want to, like, mess up the pad. I need to pull the... The solder through. This is multi-layer PCB. Heat. I mean, I, I've only ever successfully mm-hmm. soldered stuff that was dead simple, like single or double-layer PCBs. Like I did a, a speaker crossover. I replaced. You need a hot air station. I don't have one. Hmm. They're expensive. They sound like. Yeah. Can so. People get upset when you use the microwave to warm them up. Don't don't do that. No, Corbett maneuver is great. Fool to dream in the Discord. And here's the thing: Corbamite maneuver was the first episode after the the second pilot. They filmed Corbamite maneuver, and if you watch it, you see that Spock has a slightly different personality. He's like smirking. He's wearing a different uniform. It was so mm-hmm. Nimoy was in the transitional Emotional. period, right? He had some mm-hmm. human emotions where he was playing up the mm-hmm. human side. But by the next episode. It's gone. And unfortunately, the first episode they filmed was like the eighth they shot. It was the uh, the one with the, the salt monster. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. Um, the hor- was it the, the Horta? Was it the Horta? No, not the Horta. That was with in the- season two. But uh, mm. there was this woman who was transforming yeah, into a monster, and she was like sucking the yes. salt out of everybody. Out of and that was the first episode of Star Trek that ever aired. So the initial impressions of Star Trek... 
and all the original ratings and all the reviews and all the magazines were based on that, which was probably the worst episode of the first season of the show. Ah, hmm. uh, do you remember? Yes, the man's trap. Thank you, Kent. Henry Mudd or Harvey Mudd? What was his name? Harry Mudd. Harry Mudd. Harry Mudd. Yes. Harry's girl. Clint Howard yes. uh, offering everybody's Tronia. Tronia. That's good. That's at the end of the Gormite maneuver. Yes. When he goes on board the ship and they pass the test and then they tr- do like a personnel exchange, which is weird. Well, now they took a tour around his ship. But and- then they're leaving the guy behind. They're leaving that one. Like, I- I don't yellow remember. shirt behind. Why are we talking about? Do you remember that episode in episode number three when you were no, we're not doing this. Space Seed, Ricardo Montalban's yes, uh, Space Seed first yes. uh, foray into con. All right, well, this has been the PC Perspective Podcast. Thank you for watching, listening, however you uh, enjoy this, whatever method consume of content it. consumption, yes, consume you prefer. And we will do it again next week because that's that's the PC perspective promise. But don't hold us to it because we might not do it next week. You just never know. You never know what's going to happen. A tree could fall on my house. It's been almost one year, but next week will be the one-year anniversary of the uh, tree incident, which took out my fiber like internet. yesterday. It does. The scars are still there, literally. Uh, the tree is very badly scarred from the part of it that fell. Anyway, yeah. Uh, the show's over. We're in the after show now. I'm going to fade off at some point before I started using profanity just then. So, mm, Good call. Fade stop away. Yep, stop the recording now. <laughs>